All right, so we are in Ephesians chapter number 6. We got through verse number 18 last time, and we will uh, should be able to finish out the chapter tonight. So going back to verse number 18, because verse 19 uh, ties right into it, Paul uh, said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. <clears throat> so uh, he's saying to be persistent uh, in our praying and in our prayers, and uh, he's telling us to, to pray always. <clears throat> and then in verse number 19, he says, and for me. So he's going to tell uh, the Christians here um, in Ephesus what he needs them to pray for. He's going to give them his prayer request. <clears throat> and he said, uh, That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. So, <clears throat> it would be strange, when people read that, it would be strange to hear that coming from the Apostle Paul. It would be almost like, Michael Jordan saying, pray that I can shoot good foul shots, right? Because the Apostle Paul had no shortage of boldness, okay? So he was bold. So why would he ask them to pray that utterance would be given unto me, that he would open his mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel? So he asked for him to pray for three things. So one, that word utterance, it means something that's said, and it implies like a, a topic or reasoning, mental fa uh, your mental faculty. <clears throat> so what he's saying is, Paul here is in prison, and he knew that he was getting ready to go to trial. And he also knew that most likely he was going to be put to death. So what he was asking <clears throat> his fellow Christians to pray for was that... Um, utterance may be given unto me. In other words, he wanted an opportunity to speak at his trial because he was going to use that opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with everybody that was listening. So that's what he was asking them to pray for. He says, pray that utterance be granted unto me. Pray that I get a chance to speak at my trial because he wanted to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, and the thing about it is, it may have been Nero himself may have been at the trial. So there was going to be people at this trial that had the Apostle Paul not been imprisoned and had he not been uh, scheduled to go before the council uh, to be tried, he probably never would have had an opportunity to speak to these people. They never would have let him in their house. They wouldn't have sat down and listened to what he had to say. But as part of the trial, <clears throat> there was going to be people listening. Now, not only that, but there's also going to be a crowd there, people to come and see what's going to happen uh, you know, to Paul, uh, the Christian, uh, that's going around <clears throat> talking about uh, Jesus Christ. So even in the face of death, his concern was to share uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, 
the Lord mentioned this and referred to it in Acts chapter 9 when God told Ananias after Paul uh, was on the road to Damascus and he met Jesus and he was <clears throat> stricken blind, God told Ananias to go to Paul and to touch his eyes and take away the blindness. And in Acts chapter 9 verse 13, Ananias answered the Lord and said, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. So Ananias was saying, Lord, maybe you don't know the full story here. <laughs> this guy, he's, he's been killing and murdering Christians, and he has authority, he has papers to take anybody into custody that call on your name. Isn't it? Uh, and, and we can uh, talk about how bad of a person Ananias was, but do we not do the same thing? We're in a situation and we try to, we try to explain to God, no, you don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand how bad this is. Well, God fully understands. <clears throat> and uh, God fully understood this situation. But here's what the Lord said unto Ananias. The Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before three different ones before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So that could have been a prophecy there that Nero was going to be at his trial because he said that he was going to bear his name before kings. Um, Ivor Powell, um, I got a quote from him, says, The forthcoming encounter with the rulers of Rome and possibly Nero himself was to be the climax of the apostles' ministry. He knew that the opportunity was unparalleled, that the dangers were great, and that the difficulties were almost insurmountable. He had no desire to escape, for he was overwhelmed with the privilege of being able to tell his judges about the grace of God. So he asked them to pray that he would be given the opportunity to speak. Then he also prayed that uh, or he asked them to pray that I may open my mouth boldly. So what Paul wanted to make sure was that in the moment he wouldn't be tentative and he wouldn't be intimidated. Because it's one thing to be bold before you get in front of a group of people and say, boy, when I get in front of them, I'm going to tell them, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that. But then when you get there, Sometimes you get intimidated by the circumstances and the surroundings and the, the guards and everything else. So he was saying, pray that, that, I, that I keep my mind, that I keep my faculties, and that I'm able to speak boldly in the situation, in the moment. Uh, as we said, Paul uh, had no shortage of boldness. But here's what we know. Whether you're a, a preacher, whether you're a teacher, or whether you're a Christian that shares the gospel with others and uh, shares the word of God with others, when you are bold, you will not win very many popularity contests. Boldness does not put you in the good graces of people. Now, boldness doesn't mean being mean or belittling people or talking down to people, but I have made many people angry in my lifetime because they asked me a question 
and they ask me a question, a lot of times because I'm a preacher and that's what people do. They go to the preachers and ask them all these questions. But they ask me a question because they want me to justify their actions. They, what they're wanting me to say is, yes, it's okay what you're doing. But I have made people very, very angry because all I do is quote them a scripture. I didn't give my opinion, didn't say what I thought. I answered their question with, this is what the Word of God says about the question you just asked. And all I do is, is read them or quote them scripture and they get angry. You see, if you want to be really popular and if you want to have a mega church and if you want to be well known and well liked, you can't get into things like doctrine. You can't tell people things they don't want to hear. Because there's, there's things in this book, even good God-fearing Christians that love the Lord and are truly saved and born again, don't like everything that's in this book. <laughs> they, sometimes we don't like what the book tells us, how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to act and, and what things we're supposed to do, where we, what things we should do and what things we shouldn't do. Sometimes uh, people <clears throat> reject certain passages of Scripture. And that's what we talked about, uh, I think, uh, last week or a couple weeks ago about all the different uh, versions of the Bible. Well, why are there all these different versions? Well, they always say it's to make it more easy to read and understandable. But then when you really look at those versions, what they've done is they've taken things out that goes against their beliefs or their doctrine or their lifestyle. So they remove uh, those things under the guise of making it easier to understand. <clears throat> so, but here's the thing. If you really love people, if you really care about people, you're going to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Now, hopefully, there are no preachers or are no Christians that tell people things and say things just to make people angry. I I'm sure that happens from time to time. But if, if you're really in the will of God, you won't have the attitude, I'm going to tell them this and set them straight, whatever. But the, the person that tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, is the person that truly cares about you. So if you really care about your fellow Christian, you're going to tell them what they need to hear. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to be honest with them. So that's the person that... So if anybody comes to you, if, if you're in the wrong and you are out of the will of God or whatever and somebody comes to you and they're, they're sincere, they do it in a spirit of love, but yet they are bold and they are to the point and they tell you what you need to hear, understand it's because they love you. It's because they care about you. All right, and then the third thing was not only did he want an opportunity to speak, and not only did he, he want to not lose his boldness and be bold in the moment, uh, but he also said to make known the mystery of the gospel. So he's telling them, this is my plan. I'm going to witness to these people. I'm going to tell them about Jesus Christ. I'm going to try to get them saved. They may kill me, but I'm, I want to take a few of them to heaven with me. That, that, was his, that was his intention and his vision. Uh, so if we go back to chapter number 1, uh, real quickly, verse number 7 down through verse number 10, 
Paul said, uh, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And then in chapter 3, uh, verse number 1, he said, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Oh, I'm sorry, I went all the way back to Galatians. No wonder that didn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7. In whom we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath uh, purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together all in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. So in chapter 1, He referred to the mystery uh, that God has... Uh, now revealed through Jesus Christ. And then in chapter number 3, in verse number 1, he said, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of this promise in Christ by the gospel. So when Paul is talking about the mystery, it's not some mysterious unanswered question like we think of a mystery today, but he's saying this mystery was unanswered prior, but now it's been answered. Uh, so the Jews, before Christ came, they did not think, and we, we talked about this, if you remember when we were back in chapter 3, they did not think or know that the Gentiles would be a part of the family of God. That was a surprise to them. That's one reason why... So many Jews rejected Jesus because he can't, he can't be of God because he's, he, he wants to, to, to bring these crazy Gentiles in. <clears throat> Romans uh, chapter 16, uh, verse 25, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Warren Wearsby said, A mystery is not something eerie or inscrutable, but rather a truth that was hidden by God in times past and now revealed to those who are in His family. A mystery is a sacred secret that is unknown to unbelievers, but understood and treasured by the people of God. 
So then we get down into verse number 20. He said, For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul referred to himself as an ambassador. And he also said an ambassador in bonds. And that was very important, the phrase that he used there. An ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a sovereign state to another as its resident representative. So an ambassador is a very, very important person. Even in Paul's day, an ambassador, even from uh, an enemy, an ambassador was treated with respect and was treated with honor because that's where you've, uh, we've all heard the saying, hey, don't kill the messenger. That's where it comes from because it was inappropriate or wrong to kill the, the ambassador, the messenger, the person that even brought the message from your enemy. You would give them a message to take back to your enemy. So even in Paul's day, that person, that ambassador, was considered untouchable because they spoke not for themselves, but they spoke for the king or the leader uh, that they represent. We have ambassadors to uh, many countries, and that ambassador does, the ambassador to Germany doesn't go to Germany and talk about what they think or what they feel or what they want. They are there to represent the United States of America. They take the message from the president, from the Congress, and from the Senate. This is what we stand for as a country. This is what we believe. This is what we will do, what we won't do. Even if they don't agree with the message, they are charged with delivering the message. So Paul said, I'm an ambassador, but I'm in bonds. It, it, would, be, it, would, be, it would have been a terrible thing for them to take prisoner and ambassador of another country. But Paul says, I'm an ambassador of the almighty, all-powerful God in heaven. And they have taken me prisoner. So that's what he's talking about. He says, I'm, a, I'm an ambassador in bonds. That therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he's saying, as an ambassador, I ought to speak boldly. An ambassador can't be timid with the message. They have to deliver the message. It's not their message. It was the message that was given to them. And that's what um, a lot of Christians sometimes don't understand is that when a man stands and preaches, if he's in the will of God and the message came from God, a lot of times people get mad at the preacher or the pastor or the teacher or whoever that's delivering that message. And... We have to remember, one of two things is happening here. Either the man or the person is out of the will of God, or they're in the will of God, and the message is sent from God Himself. Now, I've always felt that if I am in a uh, service, and Brother Gary gets up and preaches, and something he says hits me, and exposes something to myself that I need to correct or I need to change, we have to ask ourselves the question, how did he know? Did he read my mind? Did, did my wife call him and tell him that, you know, I did whatever and he needs to correct me? I, and I will tell you this, 
every single time, I've been preaching now for 33 years, and every single time that I've made somebody angry in my preaching, that they've come to me and openly said they were mad at me, I had no earthly idea what they were talking about. They, they thought that I preached the message specifically to them to correct them, and I didn't even know until they told me that that, that was an issue in their life at all. Of course, they didn't believe me, but we, we have to realize that God is an all-powerful God. He can send a message through a person. Adam Clark says, An ambassador being the representative of his king, his person was in all civilized countries held sacred. Contrary to the rights of nations, this ambassador of the king of heaven was put in chains. He had, however, the opportunity to defend him, of defending himself and of vindicating the honor of his master. And 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse number 20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's where he said, you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So when we become a new creature, what do we become? We become an ambassador for Christ. That's, so as Christians, we must take our life and our job seriously. We speak on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ when we speak to others. When we share the gospel, we are not speaking for, for ourselves. We're speaking for Him. That's all Christians, not just preachers and not just teachers. But we are all ambassadors for Christ. And that's where he said, as I ought to speak. Paul was saying he wants the boldness because the ambassador should be bold. Then we get in verse number 21. He said, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. So... As a missionary, Paul wanted to ensure them that he would keep in touch and that he would keep them aware of his situation. So here's the Apostle Paul. He is in prison. He's writing this letter from prison. He is going to go to trial. He knows that most likely he's going to be put to death. And he's in prison. He's asking them to pray, not for his release, He's not asking them to pray for better food. He's not asking them to pray that the chains be taken off. He's not asking them to pray for some kind of pardon. He's asking them to pray that he gets an opportunity to speak and that he speaks with boldness and that he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he's asking them to pray for. But then the other concern that's on his mind is the Christians in Ephesus. He knows that they are worried about him. He knows that they are concerned about him. And he's putting their mind at ease to where he said, that you may also know my affairs. I'm going to send Tychicus, a beloved brother. He shall make known to you all things. He's saying, he, I'm going to keep you updated on everything that's going on. Nothing's going to happen that you're not going to know about, that you're not going to be aware of, because I am sending him um, to let you know. In Colossians 4-7, uh, Paul talked about uh, uh, Tychus. He said, And my state shall Tychus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. And he said 
almost exactly the same thing here. So when he's referring to him, he said that he was a beloved brother. He had a special place in Paul's heart. He was a dear friend. Paul loved him. He was a faithful minister. <clears throat> Tychus did not let Paul down. Uh, but even more than that, he was not only faithful to Paul, but he was faithful to the Lord himself. And then uh, he also called him a fellow servant in the Lord. He was a humble servant to Paul, but he was also a servant uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, I'm going to keep you updated. I'm going to keep you informed. Uh, he didn't want them to worry about him. And then in verse number 22, he said, Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose. So what he's saying is, I've sent Tychus to you before for the same purpose to keep you informed. He says, that's not going to change. It's going to continue to happen. That you might know our, our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. So as I said, here's the Apostle Paul. And what is he worried about? He's worried about them being stressed out. He's not worried about himself. He's not worried about his own situation. He's not worried about saving his life. He's worried about the people that love him. They're sitting over there in Ephesus and they're worried sick about me. And I want Tychus to go and comfort their hearts. That right there is what a true man of God is. And that's what a true pastor is. They are more concerned with the people than they are with their own selves. And that's why so many pastors burn out. And that's why so many pastors have such a hard time. Because they can't even sometimes concern themselves with their own affairs and their own problems and their own family issues because they're constantly trying to help everybody else. There's always somebody in the church, especially a bigger church that has a death in the family. There's somebody that's going through marital problems. There's somebody that's going through problems with their children. There's, there's people that are uh, worried to death about their lost kids and asking the pastor to pray. And because the pastor loves the people so much, if you have a true pastor's heart, it is very, very easy to end up putting the needs and the, the desires of the people uh, that you a pastor over your own and sometimes even over uh, your own family. So uh, Tychus was going to keep him informed of his affairs, was going to keep him informed of how he was doing, and then he said all things. And that what all things is, is he's talking about things that pertain to his health, his welfare, and his ministry. So I believe that his plan was is that Tychus was going to be there at his trial and was going to be able to go back and tell people, this is exactly what happened. This is exactly what Paul said. This is what uh, the council said. This was the verdict, and this is exactly what happened. So they were not going to be wondering, oh my gosh, whatever happened to Paul, he's letting them know that he's sending Tychus to them to comfort their hearts. Ivor Powell said, it's amazing that throughout his epistle, Paul said nothing of himself. And I didn't really think about that until I read this uh, from Mr. Powell. But he said, all the way through the book of Ephesians, Paul said nothing of himself. Doubtless he knew of their anxiety on his behalf, but he was so desirous to explain his message that personal matters were excluded from his thoughts. Then, as he neared the conclusion of the letter, he mentioned his friend Tychus and explained how his beloved brother would answer their questions and describe everything that happened to him 
the appointed courier would visit the churches, read Paul's letters, and tell them what they desired to know. He says, don't worry, I'm going to keep you in the know. Then in verse number 23 and 24, as Paul brings the letter to a close, it's important to note the words that he used in these last two verses. So let's read them. He said, Peace be unto the brethren, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. So the words that he used, he said, Peace, love, faith, grace, and sincerity. So he said, Peace be to the brethren. That word peace uh, means quietness or rest. So he wanted quietness and rest to be with the brethren. Basically, he said, I don't want you to worry. Don't be upset. Even if they kill me, don't be upset. Because all things happen under the direction of God himself. And then he said, love and faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this word love is the, is the agape uh, word which means that is the greatest kind of love. That's the one-way love that God has for us. That agape love is a love that is one way and expects nothing in return. So he says that he wants love and faith uh, from God the Father for the brethren. And that word faith means uh, persuasion, moral conviction, truth and assurance, uh, and especially reliance upon Jesus Christ for salvation. So he says, Peace be to you, brethren, love and faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, uh, as, as we, and you, everybody knows this verse, Hebrews 11.1, 1, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So that's what he is telling them that, that he wants for them is love and faith from God. Then in verse 24, he said, Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Now, some of you may know this and, and some may not, but the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes he's referred to as Lord, sometimes he's referred to as Christ, sometimes he's referred to as Jesus uh, or any combination of the three. But, it's important that we understand these words and what they mean. So Lord, that word means supreme in authority, master. So when we call Jesus Lord, that is his title. That's, that, that, that's describing him and the authority that he has. He is the supreme authority. So when we say Lord Jesus, we're saying supreme authority. And then Jesus, that's just simply his personal name. Just like my name is Terry, Jesus is his name. So Lord is his title. And then Christ means the anointed one or the Messiah. And that's what he is. So when Paul puts these three words together, what he's saying really is that the supreme authority, Jesus, the anointed Messiah. 
That's in a sense what he's saying when he puts all those together. That's what we're saying when we put them all together. And then he finishes up by saying, Grace be with all them that love Jesus Christ in sincerity. So that word grace means graciousness, benefit, or favor. So he's saying that uh, we would have grace, we would have favor, we'd have benefit to all those that love the Lord Jesus Christ. And that word sincerity means genuineness or incorruptibility. So what Paul's saying, if we love the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll have grace and if we love him sincerely. All right, so that wraps up um, chapter 6 and wraps up the entire book of Ephesians.